Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Thank you for standing by. Welcome to KP Tissue, third quarter 2020 results conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. Instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue up for questions. If anyone has any difficulties hearing the conference, please press star followed by zero for operator assistance anytime. Before turning the meeting over to management, I would like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded on Thursday, November 5th, 2020. I will now turn the conference over to Mike Baldessara, Director, Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Mike Baldessara. I'm the Director, of Investor Relations at KP Tissue, Inc. The purpose of this conference call is to review the financial results for the third quarter of 2020 for Kruger Products LP, which I'll refer to as KPLP uh, going forward. With me this morning is Dino Bianco, our Chief Executive Officer at KP Tissue and Kruger Products LP, and Mark Holbrook, our Chief Financial Officer at KP Tissue and Kruger Products LP. The following discussions, sorry, the following discussions and responses to questions contain forward-looking statements concerning the company's activities. Forward-looking statements involve known and unknown risks and uncertainties which could cause the company's actual results to differ materially from those in the forward-looking statements. Investors are cautioned not to rely on these forward-looking statements. <clears throat> the company does not undertake to update these forward-looking statements, except if required by applicable laws. There is a page at the beginning of the written presentation which contains the usual legal cautions, including as to forward-looking information, which you should be aware of. I'd like to point out that all figures expressed in today's call are in Canadian dollars unless otherwise stated. The press release reporting our Q3 2020 results were published this morning and will be available uh, from our website at kptissueinc.com. Please be aware that our MDNA will be posted on our website and will also be available on CDOC. Finally, I would like to ask that during the call you refer to the presentation we've prepared to accompany these discussions, which is also available on our website. We'd also appreciate that during the Q&A period, for you to limit your questions to two. Thank you for your collaboration, ladies and gentlemen. I'll now turn the call over to Dino Bianco, our CEO. Dino? Thank you, Mike. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's call. I will begin with a brief review of our financial performance for the third quarter of 2020. I am quite pleased with our most recent results, which clearly reflect strong North American sales momentum in our consumer business and underlines the benefits of the investments we have been making in our brands and business for future growth. The one exception is still the away from home segment, which continues to face challenging market conditions, which I'll talk about later. As this pandemic began, we put in place a comprehensive program to keep our people safe and keep our business going. On both fronts, I am very pleased with what we have achieved, and with cases escalating across the world, we have added further safety protocols to protect our people. I want to personally thank the over 2,500 employees across North America for the care and behavior they have exhibited to keep each other safe and to make sure we are getting tissue to our customers. Now for a review of the numbers. Excluding the divested Mexico business, Year-over-year revenue increased $25.7 million, or 7.3%, to $369.1 million. Adjusted EBITDA was up 5.1% to $46.2 million, primarily due to favorable sales impact, product mix, and slightly lower cost of sales. This was partially offset by higher SG&A costs, primarily related to our ramp-up in marketing investments. By geography, Canadian sales increased by 4.7% and U.S. sales grew by 11.5%. Next page regarding market pulp prices. 
NBSK and eucalyptus prices in Canadian dollars decreased 2% and 8% year over year. On a sequential basis, the declines were 6.1% and 4% respectively. In U.S. dollars, NBSK prices decreased slightly while eucalyptus prices remained relatively stable. When we compare those to Q2. For the remainder of 2020 and into 2021, NBSK and BEK prices in U.S. dollars are projected to increase, but these outlooks remain volatile given market conditions. On COVID-19, in the response to the second wave, we further enhanced our safety protocols. The well-being of our employees is paramount. A safe work environment is essential, and we are continuing to make adjustments based on health professional directions and best practices. We have also made significant financial investments to keep our facilities safe. As a result, we have no evidence of site-based virus transmission and no significant impact to our business. Our assets continue to perform very well, driven by our OPEX program and SKU reductions that we made earlier in the year. And finally, the consumer trust in our brands continues to be the underpinning of our success, especially during these periods of uncertainty, and that is being reflected in SHARE, which I'll talk about in a second. Let me give you an update on Tad Sherbrooke. We are less than four months away from the official startup of this site. It has been quite an endeavor to start up a $575 million state-of-the-art facility during COVID. I want to thank our engineering and construction teams and our suppliers and partners for working safely while keeping us on time and on budget. All of our converting lines are now operating and performing well with TAD paper that is being received from our Memphis facility. Considering the very strong demand that is in the market right now, we are trying to increase our startup curve on the converting lines. Startup costs in Q3 were $2.1 million as planned, and more costs will be incurred in Q4. The paper machine remains on track for first quarter 2021 ramp up. We have strong demand from our existing and new customers across North America. This new production facility will help alleviate some of the capacity constraints that we are seeing in the recent quarters. Our clear objective is to enhance our competitive position in the market, particularly in paper towels, and to further support our share momentum. In this category, we foresee sustained positive consumer trends post-COVID. A new chapter in our history is about to start, and the state-of-the-art Tad Sherbrooke facility will soon become another important vector of growth in the ultra-premium North American segment. Let me turn to our OPEX program. It is tracking effectively to the overall plan and has been rolled out to all our sites and most of our assets. These sites, as I mentioned earlier, uh, performed very well in Q3 and, quite frankly, for the whole year uh, at the end, uh, up to the end of Q3. This is in thanks to a large part to the, to the high level of employee engagement. Our continued focus on top selling SKUs translates into better productivity, and we have drawn down inventory to meet increased demand. From June to September, we were able to rebuild some inventory on bathroom tissue and facial tissue, but paper towel supply continues to be tight for us and for the market. Year-over-year manufacturing costs are lower, and we are investing further in enhanced maintenance to drive stronger asset performance and reliability. By year-end, we expect to reach the top end of the $15 to $20 million run rate target on cost savings. Our OPEX program was launched almost two years ago, and I'm proud to say that we have reached or exceeded our objectives to drive more capacity, asset reliability, and cost savings. The timing of this OPEX program was uh, perfect, unknown though at the time that we were going to approach 2020 with a COVID demand impact. We will continue to expand this program across our assets and various elements into 2021. The level of engagement of our team has been truly exceptional, driving an enhanced culture of excellence. We are also starting up our Tad Sherbrooke facility as an OPEX-ready greenfield. Let me move to our trademarks. We have and continue to focus on investing to build our brands to bring the desired results in the market. 
Market share gains continued through the quarter, supported by strong shipments. As indicated during the last conference call, our marketing investment significantly increased this quarter as we continued to build our brands. While the plan is to invest more in advertising and promotions going forward, the spend in Q3 also reflects a catch-up from lower levels in the first half of 2020. Our new unapologetically human media campaign employing purpose-driven messaging is focused on connecting with our consumers. Hopefully you've had a chance to see our bold new campaign that was recently launched and is receiving significant positive feedback across Canada and beyond. Last month, we conducted a virtual fashion show to showcase our cashmere collection in support of the Canadian Cancer Society, our long-standing beneficiary. I'm delighted to say that the modified event, which was necessitated by the pandemic, was a resounding success. We have also been working with other partners such as the NHL and Scotty's Tournament of Hearts to activate against these events in a COVID world. I've also been talking about ramping up the quality of our products and I'm very proud to say that our softer, quality improved cashmere is now in market and in full distribution. This is a perfect example of us investing in the future to reinforce our competitive position and our leadership uh, market position. On our market share, the strong momentum which began late in 2019 was further accelerated by demand related to COVID-19. The data presented on slides 11 and 12 is from Nielsen for dollar market share and represents a 52-week period which ended October 3rd, 2020. So it essentially reflects year-to-date up to the uh, end of third quarter. We made good progress in all categories. Specifically in bathroom tissue, our Cashmere and Purex brands are undisputed market leaders with a combined share of 36.4%. The market leading share of 31.7%, our Scotty's brand is the number one and, and it's the brand that most consumers select when they need a facial tissue. As discussed before, we see significant growth potential in the paper towel category and our sponge paper towels continue to represent an excellent opportunity for share growth as we now stand with a strong number two position at 22%. COVID demand has also given us an opportunity to build distribution and sales of white cloud in the US. We are executing strong marketing investments to build this brand for today and for the future. On AFH, given the ongoing and in fact, in some cases worsening COVID situation, Market conditions in the away from home segment continue to remain challenging as end user markets such as food service, lodging, and property management were still soft. AFH end markets are on a slow recovery that will be strongly influenced by COVID-19 protocols. We expect gradually quarterly sales improvements. In fact, industry volumes have recovered from uh, lows uh, at the beginning of this pandemic, which were in the 40 to 50% range in Q2. The heightened focus on hand hygiene has kept AFH towel volume strong as customers are switching from air dryers to paper towels. We are confident this will have a sustainable impact on our business for today and the future. Unfortunately, with strong consumer demand, paper capacity was diverted to our consumer products, requiring more outsourcing for AFH. This will continue to be a headwind for this business. One area that we continue to focus on is to retool our AFH assets and products to make the products designed more for, to be sold in consumer channels. We are seeing some success of this already, particularly in the U.S. market. AFH has taken an aggressive approach at implementing OPEX in their facilities, and this has driven improved productivity. We continue to do the right things in AFH, and performance will be dependent on end market recovery. With that, I will now turn the call over to Mark, who will review our quarterly results. Thank you, Dino, and good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'll now ask you to turn to slide 14, which reviews our financial performance for the third quarter. Revenue, excluding Mexico, was up 7.3% to $369.1 million in the third quarter, compared to $344 million for the same period last year. Adjusted EBITDA increased by 2.2 million to 46.2 million from 44 million in Q3 of last year and decreased sequentially by 18.2 million from 64.4 million in Q2 of 2020. 
From a margin perspective, adjusted EBITDA increased to 12.5% from 11.9% last year and decreased from 16.7% in Q2 2020. In the third quarter of 2020, we recorded a net income of $18.5 million compared to a net income of $10.5 million last year. The increase was primarily due to higher adjusted EBITDA and lower other expense, interest expense, and income taxes. In the quarterly segmented view on slide 15, consumer revenue excluding Mexico increased by 14.4% year-over-year to reach $319.9 million. In the away-from-home segment, revenue declined by 23.5% to $49.2 million. On a sequential basis, AFH revenue increased slightly over Q2. Consumer segment adjusted EBITDA increased by 9.3 million to 55.3 million, and adjusted EBITDA margin increased from 15.1% to 17.3%. For the away from home segment, adjusted EBITDA decreased by 1.6 million to a loss of 3.5 million, and adjusted EBITDA margin stood at negative 7% versus negative 3% for the previous year. Corporate and other costs were a loss of $5.6 million in Q3 2020 compared to a loss of $0.1 million for the prior year, an increase of $5.5 million, resulting primarily from $2.1 million of startup costs related to Tad Sherbrooke and an increase in certain allocated overhead costs. On slide 16, we review Q3 2020 revenue over Q3 2019, which was up by 25.1 million or 7.3% excluding Mexico. The increase was primarily attributable to volume increases in Canada and the US, primarily related to COVID-19 demand. This was partially offset by lower AFH revenue negatively impacted by COVID-19. By geography, Canadian sales increased by 10.1 million or 4.7% and in the US, sales increased by 15.1 million or 11.5%. For your information, the revenue of the Mexico operations divested in Q3 last year was 25.4 million for the third quarter of 2019. On slide 17, we provide further insight into our Q3 2020 adjusted EBITDA, which increased year over year by 2.2 million or 5.1% to 46.2 million. Gross margin for the quarter also increased from 14.2% to 16.6%. The increase in adjusted EBITDA was driven by a combination of factors, including favorable sales impact and mix, lower pulp costs, benefits of the OPEX program, and the reduced number of SKUs. These elements were partially offset by increased SG&A costs, higher manufacturing costs related to COVID-19, higher freight and warehousing costs, and increased outsourcing costs. For a sequential perspective, let's turn to slide 18 where we compare Q3 2020 to Q2 2020 revenue. Quarter over quarter revenues decreased by 17.7 million or 4.6%. Consumer segment revenue decreased by 5.4% due to lower volume in the U.S. consumer segment following a significant spike in Q2 demand, along with U.S. consumer segment contractual selling prices tied to pulp prices moderating lower. Unfavorable FX, and partially these were offset by significantly higher Canadian consumer sales. On the uh, sequential comparison for the same period, away from home increased by 1.5%, reflecting a slight recovery in end-user markets as Dino indicated before. By geography, revenue in Canada increased by 4.8 million or 2.2%, while US revenue decreased by 22.5 million or 13.4% after a very strong Q2 and reflecting a two to three week lag in COVID-19 related demand when compared to Canada. On slide 19, Q3 adjusted EBITDA decreased sequentially by 18.2 million or 28.2% compared to Q2, 
and gross margin declined from an exceptional level of 19.8% to 16.6%. The decrease in adjusted EBITDA was primarily due to the impact of lower sales in the U.S. consumer segment, as previously discussed, higher SG&A expenses related to increased advertising, a larger loss in AFH, and the Tad Sherbrook startup costs. I'll now turn our, to our balance sheet and financial position on slide 20. Our cash position was $117.5 million at the end of Q3 2020, a decline from $144.2 million at the end of Q2. The cash position includes $34 million in the Tad Sherbrooke entity at the end of Q3. Overall net debt at quarter end stood at $592.5 million, up 31.4 million from 561.1 million at the end of Q2 2020. Our net debt to trailing 12-month adjusted EBITDA ratio has increased slightly to 2.9 times, but has remained relatively low due to the significant increase in latest 12-month adjusted EBITDA. I'll conclude my section by reviewing the capex on slide 21. Q3 2020 CapEx totaled $70.4 million, including $65.1 million for the Tad Sherbrooke facility. At quarter end, accrued and unpaid capital spending on this facility stood at $43.3 million. Looking at the full year 2020, we expect regular CapEx to be in the $30 to $40 million range, while the Tad Sherbrooke CapEx is now expected to be between $300 million to $320 million slightly lower than our previous outlook due to the timing of project payments. Total CapEx for fiscal 2020 is expected to be in the range from $330 million to $360 million. Thank you for your attention, and I'll now turn the call back over to Dino. Thank you, Mark. Turning to slide 22, I'd like to again highlight our plan to continuously reinvest in our brands and the business for continued growth with very initiatives to drive consumer revenue growth and share. We are investing in our strong brands to build our share in Canada while expanding our White Cloud brand in the United States. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, we are very pleased with the startup progress of the Tad Sherbrooke facility and infused with the anticipated strong demand this facility will generate in the ultra premium segment. The additional tissue capacity is fully committed and supported by a sales pipeline of new and existing customers. Our ongoing OPEX program is successful, creating a more efficient supply chain network. The benefits have been very apparent during the COVID-19 crisis, which allowed us to navigate through the pandemic in a much stronger position. Considering the anticipated slow recovery in AFH end user markets, we are doing what is necessary to improve performance in this segment and to make sure that this segment is ready to take advantage of a recovery when it happens. We continue to develop our organizational capability, which is rooted in a strong, passionate, results-driven, and inclusive culture, driving future growth by exceeding consumer and retailer needs with quality products is job number one. For our shareholders, we are fully committed to reinvest in the business to deliver strong results for today and for the future. In terms of our outlook, we expect demand for our products to remain healthy in the consumer segment and a slow recovery in the away from home segment. We will continue to reinvest in our brands and our business and anticipate some extra costs to meet this high demand. Therefore, for the fourth quarter, we expect adjusted EBITDA to be below both Q3 2020 and Q4 2019 results. As a final word, I wish to reiterate my sincere thanks to our highly dedicated team, which is committed to meeting consumer and retailer needs across North America, despite the ongoing COVID challenges. Our people and our culture are a true differentiator for us. We will now be happy to take your questions. Thank you. To ask a question, you'll need to press star then one on your telephone and to withdraw your question. Press the pounder hash key. The first question is from Paul Quinn with RBC. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks very much. Good morning, guys. Um, 
great to see the uh, the opex uh, at the at the top end of the target. But I think when the when the program was devised, you didn't have any kind of SKU reduction um, uh, envisioned in that. I'm just wondering how how much that uh, if you could quantify that benefit, um, and then what are the big wins in the opex besides SKU? Sorry, Paul, you dropped out. Oh, really? Uh, oh, okay, sorry. Uh, well, the question was around uh, uh, the OPEX target, uh, 15 to 20 million. It's good to see that you're at the high end. Just wondering, yep. uh, but when the program was envisioned, I don't think SKU reduction was in there, and if you could quantify that, and then also just talk about some of the big wins you've had in OPEX besides SKU reduction. Yeah, sure. So you're absolutely right. The 15 to 20 that I uh, am quoting is really related just to OPEX. It, you know, you'll see the skew reduction benefit uh, weaving its way uh, in lower costs, but I don't usually quote that as part of the OPEX program. I treat that as a separate item. Uh, I don't have a specific dollar as it relates to the skew reduction. Uh, I would tell you that we, uh, we have done some uh, small samples at some of our sites to see what benefit we're getting and we're usually getting one to two points of OEE improvement on, some, on the assets it varies depending on how complicated those assets were to start with so I'd say there's about one to two point OEE I know that's not going to mean a lot with, for you if I can't translate it into a dollar number uh, but let's say you know in some assets where I've had four or five points of OEE improvement one to two may have come from OEE just a, it's just an order of magnitude uh, sorry, one of two, one to two may have come from skew decomplexity, uh, just as an order of, uh, of magnitude. And you know, if we look at the number of skews, we talked about this, and so is every other CPG company, regardless of industry. You know, we we uh, essentially during the intensity of COVID uh, and continuing today, because we are still in a very intense COVID period. We've essentially have the number of SKUs that we uh, produce well, in North America, and I'm not talking about AFH SKUs, but primarily uh, consumer SKUs. We've we've have the number of SKUs. We see that number going up slightly next year. It's not sustainable where it is. There's certain uh, brands and sizes that we aren't serving to the market, so we see that going back. By the time I think all is said and done, we will have. Uh, if you look at pre-COVID, post-COVID, and 21, uh, we'll probably be down a third. Of, uh, of SKUs. Okay, great. Uh, thanks for clarifying that. And then uh, maybe you could just talk about the order file for uh, Tad Sherbrooke, given that it's four, four weeks away. And, and what are the logistics of, of getting uh, getting paper from Memphis up to uh, Sherbrooke to run the converting lines? Yeah, it's not a it's not a situation you want to have permanently. You know, Tad paper doesn't travel well. You have to you have to. Cut the diameter, diameter, so you're you're, you're producing inefficiently. Uh, so it's it's just a short period, Paul. It's obviously just to make sure we can commission our converting lines with equivalent paper that will be produced at the Sherbrooke facility. Uh, and I thank our Memphis team for doing that. It, I think, you know, they'd rather uh, convert it and sell it in, in the marketplace, but they know they have to supply Sherbrooke uh, while we're commissioning. Um, and then as far as um, uh, the order book. Uh, we are we are at a sold position. We are at an oversold position. Um, we are uh, carefully managing. You know, we thought we could bring in a lot of new customers. The reality is, our focus has primarily been on servicing the growth of our existing customers first. So we have retrenched to make sure that the customers that we have and the growth that they have planned with our business is being met before we go get new customers at this stage. And that ties to both our, our branded product uh, in Canada and the U.S., and then uh, any private label supply that we do uh, in the U.S. So the, the, the big opportunity uh, area that I'm going to continue to push on, and I'm pushing on it already, is to get a faster startup of that site without jeopardizing the startup, without risking anything, is to... Uh, is to uh, have that site do more of a vertical startup. We put OPEX in there. We've got a great team uh, that has been trained well. Uh, we're seeing positive uh, elements of that already. Uh, we've invested heavily in technology. So the, the key for us is can we beat our ramp-up curve, and that will provide more capacity uh, for North America. 
Great. Thanks for the color. Best of luck. Thank you, Paul. The next question is from Keja Kapitea with TD Securities. Your line is open. Hi, everyone. <clears throat> Hi, everyone. It's Kasha from TD. Morning. <clears throat> you know, you referenced morning. Uh, do you know you referenced away from home volume declines of 15 to 20 percent year over year, which, if I recall, is an improvement from the 40 to 50 percent you noted last quarter. Uh, can you just speak to what you're seeing on the consumer side in terms of year over year volume growth and how that has stepped down since earlier this year? Yeah, I mean, it's been a listen for anybody that's uh, you know trying to manage a consumer product that's in high demand. It has been a uh, quite a wild journey, um, and it's gone in stages. Before I give you some numbers, let me just play out the journey. So with, uh, in March, with stay-at-home mandates, you know, we saw a lot of consumers pantry loading uh, across North America, and the product they primarily pantry loaded was bathroom tissue, uh, expecting to be at home, not going out, a critical product uh, that they needed. So we saw the big spikes that happened in March. We saw a bit of it in paper towel and facial, but mostly in bathroom tissue. And then as the, as, the pipe, as the pipeline started to fill, uh, the stay-at-home mandates were loosened. Uh, we saw a gradual return to what I would call normalcy. The numbers were still high, and they were, they were high because people were at home more. So they weren't traveling. They weren't going to uh, restaurants and, and sporting events and hotels. So they were using our products more at home. So we did see more of a stabilization as you came into uh, May, June, and uh, let's say July, uh, a little more stability. What we started to see uh, from a context point of view is uh, in, the, in the midsummer and right into now, uh, increased demand for paper towel. And, and that was driven a little bit by some pantry loading. It was driven by uh, uh, people at home, and it was primarily driven by people cleaning more. So, you know, that was a change in behavior versus, versus COVID. For bathroom tissue, there really wasn't a change in behavior. It was more just being at home. But for paper towel, we're seeing a change in behavior. We're seeing greater usage and greater cleaning. And I'm sure everybody on this call can uh, relate to what I'm saying in terms of the need for paper towel. Uh, so that's where the market is now, very tight on paper towel. If I give you a couple of numbers, and everybody's going to give you a bit of different numbers, but if you look at um, bathroom tissue on a tonnage basis, I, I won't quote dollars because it can be confusing, but uh, this is the category, by the way. Since COVID, the, 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 tissue, the bathroom tissue category is up 16%, but for the latest 12 weeks, it's only up 6%. So it has moderated. Uh, a lot of that 16% was driven by, uh, by what was going on in March and April and, and uh, moderated to about 6%. If you look at paper towels, it's up 17%, but the last 12 weeks is up 12 So that shows the, the growth that I've talked to you about uh, with respect to paper towel usage. And then facial tissue... Since COVID is up about 10, but the latest 12 weeks have been up about 5. So those are some numbers for you that reflect uh, what's going on in the consumer space. Those are Canadian numbers. I would say the U.S. numbers are very similar in terms of the behavior that's going on there, what we're seeing in that marketplace. Uh, the one thing I would say difference between the U.S. and Canada, it seems there's a couple of week lag in the, in the, in the spikes and the declines that have been happening. Um, I'm generalizing because every state's a little different, but that's generally what we're seeing. Okay, and those numbers that you just quoted, Dino, you know, are those KPLP numbers or industry numbers? Those are industry numbers as reported by Nielsen. We have done better, which is why we're growing share. I'm not going to quote our growth, specific growths, but obviously if you're growing share, you're doing better than those numbers because those are category numbers. Right. Uh, and what are your inventory le uh, levels right, uh, like right now, and were you able to rebuild in Q3? Yes, we were able to rebuild uh, some bathroom tissue and facial tissue in the June to early September uh, period. Um, not much, not back to the levels we were, but we were at least quite stable. I think if you've been to stores, you would have seen a good supply. Uh, we were meeting the orders. We were meeting the increased demand, that number I gave you in, in terms of the plus six. Uh, we were able to meet that and more. Uh, paper towel continues to be uh, tight. And uh, again, it's tight in the industry. I think anybody who produces paper towel, you, you will have heard them say it's a tight category. It's hard to turn those machines. Those machines already run full out, uh, virtually full out. So it's hard to just add another shift or turn one on that's been, you know, uh, mothballed. Uh, so uh, it, it's hard to respond that quickly. 
Um, but I, I, I'd say that, you know, with tattoo for us personally, with that tattoo coming on, that'll help relieve uh, some of the uh, inventory pressures and, and supply pressures we're getting right now. Right. Uh, and last one for me, uh, just I think there's an away from home price hikes that you talked about last quarter due to come in on September 1st. How's that rolling along? Yeah, what we did on that one, uh, Kasha, is uh, we were a little more surgical. We, you know, we, we didn't go across every category, across every um, region. We had some products that were, quite frankly, underwater. We hadn't priced them for a while. Uh, so we took an opportunistic uh, approach to how we uh, corrected some pricing in the marketplace. It has yielded some benefit. It's not a significant uh, number yet, uh, or it's not a significant number in our, in our financials right now. Uh, but uh, it helped just get us back to uh, some level of profitability that we should uh, we should expect from those products. Got it. Okay, thanks for that context. You know, appreciate it. Good luck going forward. Thank you, Kesha. The next question is from Zachary Evershed with National Bank Financial. Your line is open. Thank you. Morning, everyone. Morning, Zachary. Morning. Uh, you mentioned that you're doing better than industry growth, taking market share. So on the advertising spend, should we expect a similar pace in Q4 and throughout 2021? Yes. Uh, yes. I mean, the short and long answer is yes. What we did is we, we came into this year expecting to increase, increase our advertising. Then uh, when COVID hit, we put some delays on, on what we were doing. Obviously, everything changed. The NHL changed. Our cashmere changed. What we wanted to put on air changed. So we took a bit of a hiatus as we regrouped on our spend, uh, primarily through Q2 uh, and early parts of Q3. And then we have, uh, since about August uh, uh, and into September, and, and for the balance of this year, we came in very strong. We, we did cashmere collection. We just launched the big assist with the NHL. Uh, we spent, uh, ramped up our media investment behind our, our brand new unapologetically human campaign. Um, and uh, so you'll see more of that in Q4, ramp up in advertising from an unusually low base in Q2. Uh, and then uh, next year we'll do the same. I mean, we will continue to support our brands. We've got a good story to tell. Uh, we've got Tattoo coming on board. We've got great partnerships. And uh, we will continue to ramp up our, uh, our advertising to support our brands. And also, uh, with White Cloud in the U.S., COVID has opened the door for us to get some listings in the U.S. at accounts that we've been working with for, for a number of years. Now that we've got those listings, it's ours to keep them, and we are investing uh, in local markets. We're not doing national advertising in the U.S. because we don't have that presence. But we are, we are advertising in markets where we're carried uh, to make sure we build our consumer affinity uh, with White Cloud. That's great color, thanks. That actually brings me to my next question. Uh, given that Tad Sherbrooke is going to be focusing on servicing existing customers first, uh, do you foresee an increase in customer concentration, or will that be offset by the new accounts in the U.S.? Yeah, I think uh, that's a great question. I think it'll represent the same uh, diversification we have today. You know, we're not we're not putting it all to one customer. If, for instance. Uh, we are spreading it out with existing customers, including the U.S. customers. So the diversification will replicate essentially what we have today, and we are very well uh, diversified today with our customers. Thanks very much. That's two. I'll get back in the queue. Thank you. And again, as a reminder, please press star 1 if you'd like to ask a question. The next question is from Hamir Patel with CIBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Hi. Good morning. You know, I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, we've seen other uh, grocery chains like Loblaws announce fees for suppliers. So how, you know, how are, how are you responding to that? Uh, do you have some potential uh, price hikes um, uh, under consideration? Yeah, Paul, I mean, you know, you asked me this question in Q2. It was just Walmart at a time. As you know, Loblaws has come on board now. Uh, I'm, you know, speaking as an industry uh, veteran, I am, I am disappointed with, with that behavior. Uh, you know, here we are uh, scrambling, uh, most of this industry is scrambling to meet supply, uh, to, you know, trying to work with customers, um, incurring extra costs, and to have that come through um, is disappointing. Uh, you know, there's always, there's always fees and costs and so forth, I understand, 
but that one, uh, I will say, is disappointing in the way that it's being done at the time that it's being done. As we are, as far as we are concerned, uh, we are uh, ignoring those acts and really working with customers like we normally would about how do we build our business together in the following year. We've got lots of great activity going on uh, with our business. Uh, so, you know, our approach is we are doing business plans uh, for them. So um, uh, that's how we're approaching uh, next year. Fair enough. And, uh, Dino, can you speak more to some of the innovation that, um, you know, maybe you, you have planned in, in Q4 given the, uh, the higher advertising spend? Yeah, so, Amir, I think you're seeing uh, increased advertising. Uh, you're seeing the NHL program coming uh, on board. Um, uh, so you'll see more of that, an increase in social media, an increase in e-com, an increase in e uh, ethnic uh, communication. So those are really the, the areas that we focus on. And then I talked earlier um, uh, about White Cloud, investing behind that. As we get into next year, you'll see more of that, plus uh, with, uh, with our new TAD uh, products that are coming to market, we will be supporting those. We've got some strong innovations, high-quality products that are going to hit the market, so we'll be investing uh, in that. And then we've got some other innovation and quality improvements that I'm not going to talk about right now that will also be coming out uh, next year, and that will be another area of, uh, of focus for our, our advertising. Thanks. And, you know, should we assume that, you know, given the quality improvements, that there'd be an, an element of uh, de-sheeting as, as part of the innovation? No, you're not, you're, you're not going to see that as a conscious effort. Obviously, when you produce a TAD product or a non-TAD product, you get some variations there, but we are not going to take an existing product. Uh, there's been no material um, plans for doing uh, de-sheeting next year. Great. Uh, thanks. Uh, that's all I had. I'll, I'll turn it over. Thanks, Amir. The next question is from Zachary Evershed with National Bank Financial. Your line is open. Just one more for me. Uh, you've been able to rebuild some of your inventory in bathroom and facial tissue. Paper towels obviously still tight. Uh, looking a step down the supply chain, though, do you have visibility on retailer inventory levels and whether they might take a pause or accelerate purchases in Q4? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a clear lens uh, there. I, I have, um, in some customers, we have deeper knowledge of their inventory, some that's more anecdotal. Uh, I would say that, you know, they are similar to us. They're not stockpiling. They don't have warehouses full of inventory. Uh, what they're getting is going right to the shelf. Uh, you know, it is generally a flow-through uh, uh, business uh, on tissue. Uh, it's a big product. There's not a lot of room to store it, so it's moving right through to, to the shelf. Um, and, you know, you saw a bit, uh, what also happened recently across the country, uh, well, across North America, is a bit of another pantry load. It wasn't severe as the first one, so you had some, some, uh, some whiteouts or, or outages at shelf that are you know, slowly getting back uh, to normal. Um, I think customers, uh, look, here's what I would also say. I, I think customers also recognize that a lot of this behavior on the consumer side will be their post COVID. And the two that I, the two areas that I highlight the most as I think about this business longer term on the consumer front is even post COVID, more people will be working from home. Whether it's one day a week or five days a week, you've heard various companies announce a more flexible work environment. And as those consumers are working from home, they're going to be using more tissue at home. So I think that's a step change that's going to happen in the North American market for many years to come. I think the other thing that's going to happen post-COVID is more people are going to clean. And I think the paper towel demand uh, in particular uh, uh, will, uh, will also be a behavioral change that will last uh, post-COVID. So I think your retailers are seeing that. Uh, they recognize the fragility, uh, not the fragility, I would say, the, the, the criticality of having a strong supply chain, uh, especially when there's spikes. And I think, you know, they're working closely with us and I'm sure other tissue companies to make sure that they solidify their supply uh, beyond Q4 into 21, 22. And so if your average consumer holds X number of weeks of tissue at home, uh, being at home more will increase the actual 
uh, rolls of tissue that they need to buy to maintain that level. Do you think that they also increase the number of days uh, on average, given that there were some shortages that they might want to insure against? Yeah, I think there's, we know there's been some pantry loading for sure, Zachary. We know we know that consumers stocked up because they weren't sure if they were going to get to a grocery store. They weren't sure if they got there, there was be product on shelf. We saw some deloading of that in tissue, bathroom tissue, over the summer as people got more comfortable with supply. And then we saw a bit of a tick up in the last month or so, uh, really since uh, let's say early September, uh, on on bathroom tissue, but particularly paper towel. So yes, they have been doing some inventory build. I think they'll keep those inventories high until you know we're through this. So I don't think they'll go back to their normal supply uh, at home. They'll probably keep an extra um, an extra package on hand. So uh, that'll probably start to stay and then slowly diminish as we get out of 20 into 21 and depending on what's going on with COVID. Yeah. That's helpful. Thank you very much. The next question is from Frederick Trombley with Desjardins. Your line is open. Thank you. Good morning. Um, morning. I want to talk on the uh, want to talk on the market share gains and the outlook for that as well. Um, we've seen some nice gains in, in recent quarters. Would you attribute attribute that uh, entirely to your marketing efforts, or do you feel like you're producing and shipping perhaps more efficiently than some of your peers? And how does that translate into uh, potential future uh, market share gains in your opinion? Yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, um, I think it's a combination of a few things. So, so first of all, I would say uh, I, I, I'm very happy with how we've been able to supply our customers. We, you know, we, we haven't been uh, perfect, but we've been good and in some cases better than uh, competitors uh, out there. So clearly that, that has helped. Um, the second thing that has helped is our uh, marketing efforts and the comfort of our brands. The third thing that has uh, helped is, I think, um, the strong customer relationships that we've had uh, across North America in working with our customers, in being transparent, in being uh, open about uh, our products, our supply, uh, how we manage the customer account, the fact that we were fair and equitable and how we uh, allocated our product, the fact that we did not take pricing, the fact that we worked with them on how they should manage their promotion strategy to make sure that they uh, were successful in the market but had uh, product on hand. And in fact, there's a survey in the marketplace uh, that's called the Advantage Survey, which basically, and this, it, this is the Canadian aspect of it, basically asks our customers, you know, how are suppliers performing? And it's there's a list of 21 suppliers that includes food and beauty, health, health, uh, health and beauty, uh, household products, etc. All the big names. And this was done in June, July, post, you know, kind of post uh, the COVID start. And uh, we ranked number one uh, across multiple across multiple dimensions. So I think it this is a testament to the work that we have been doing with our customer base, not just this year, forever. And I think it's paying dividends now. And it's helping uh, the success of our brands. Great, thank you. And second question is on away from home. Um, obviously, I understand that this is a very fluid situation, and uh, appreciate your comment on uh, future trajectory of uh, of the revenue line there. Um, on the profitability front, in away from home, we saw a bit of a step back in uh, in Q3. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on the outlook for that in terms of what you can do internally to perhaps. Uh, um, improve on the profitability there. Yeah, it's, a, it's another great question. I alluded to it. Um, so there's two things going on in AFH that have been uh, the headwinds, if you will. One has been the well-told story about what's going on in the market. Uh, and by the way, uh, you know there, there are aspects of AFH that are doing well. You know our towel business is doing well, as I mentioned. Uh, we're doing better in the U.S. than we are in Canada. Uh, in AFH, uh, we, we've been a little more nimble in finding, finding opportunities in the U.S. and Canada. We're fairly saturated. It's hard to, to find those opportunities. Uh, so AFH, even though the numbers are down, there are uh, you know, bright spots that I haven't uh, totally highlighted, but there's, there's some good trajectories there that we're going to continue to exploit. The other headwind, though, and this is a bit of a theme that happened uh, over the last couple of years but has been exasperated uh, now, is that with our consumer business doing so well, all the paper we produce 
uh, is moving to consumer. And AFH uh, is, uh, even though their business is down, is needing to go on the market to buy uh, paper in particular. So they're paying an upcharge for that paper. Uh, it's the right thing for our company to do from a business point of view and, and from a profitability point of view, but it does show up, unfortunately, on the AFH uh, P&L. That'll probably be there for a bit. Uh, when we bring TAD2, hopefully that'll alleviate some of those uh, pressure points. But that's the second headwind that's happening there. What that team is doing is they, you know, we, we took some temporary shutdowns in our facilities over the summer, and we still have, you know, we brought people back gradually, so we have a flexible uh, work uh, opportunity there, depending on how a business is doing. Uh, we are looking at our SG&A line. We did some, some pricing, as I mentioned earlier, where we had the opportunity to do that. We are looking at more consumer-like products and consumer rate channels, if you will, that are mixed between consumer and AFH channels, working with our distributors. So I think the team is, is doing a lot, and they're developing a strategic plan about you know, how this business is going to grow uh, over the next five years and, and where they want to be. And I think that's when the, the midst of doing that. So I think, you know, they're doing the right things. I, I think we just got to get out of this, uh, you know, we got to get the end markets back and, and I think we'll be uh, ready to, to take advantage of that and be successful. Very helpful. Thank you very much. We have no further questions at this time. We'll turn the call back to management for any closing remarks. I just want to thank everybody. It's been a you know crazy year for all of us. Uh, I'm, you know, obviously, I'm very proud of what our organization has done and, and what our business has done. Um, uh, and you know, as we're we're in the midst of planning for next year, there's a lot of moving pieces, and we want to make sure that we continue to win, not just in the short term, but but the long term. Um, so I just want to leave you with those comments. I, I do want to thank you for joining us on this call this morning. We look forward to uh, speaking with you again the release of our fourth quarter and year-end results early next year. In the meantime, I wish you all much health, and we'll see you in the new year. Thank you. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.